Hello everyone, this is George Matt with the Carolina Tar Wheels. Today's podcast is from a recent club meeting where our guest speakers were George Hess and Nils Peterson from NC State. They did a study that compared the effectiveness of three road signs. The first was a yellow diamond with a bike icon and the word share the road. The second, which I don't know that I've ever seen before, is a white rectangle with a bike icon and the words may use full lane. And the third one was a bike icon with a couple of arrows painted on the road surface and that's called a sharrow. The first speaker was Nils. Here he is. I'm a fisheries and wildlife faculty at NC State and I study what I call human dimensions of wildlife, so it's kind of like environmental sociology. And my interest in cycling is purely recreational. I I have commuted to work for a long time, and I like riding bikes. And because I study people and and sort of human behavior, uh, George recruited me to help him with with this project looking at bicycle signage. Thanks, Nils. So I'm George Hess. I also work at NC State. I'm in the same department as Nils. I've been bicycling for a long time and mostly it was recreational until about three years ago I started commuting to work by bike and just got interested in the question about bicycle signage. There had been a lot of things that Nils and I were looking at where people were advocating for changing over to bicycles may use full lane signs from share the road signs because they were complaining that share the road was an ambiguous sign you know, what does it actually mean? I'm pretty sure you've all experienced the, you know, it says share the road, not hog the road, um, people yelling out their car windows and things like that. And, you know, being an academic, we just started looking at the literature, and it, it just seemed like there weren't a whole lot of really solid studies that could disentangle the question of whether the people understood what share the road meant, what the signs meant. So we started to look for ways to to do that. So the kind of problems I'm talking about is, well, first of all, I, I only found one study where there was a bicycle may useful lane study. Um, and it was very confounded with road conditions. So they put these signs up, but there were sidewalks nearby and there were wide lanes, things like that. So you really didn't know if it was the sign that was doing things or people start riding on the sidewalk. What was really going on there? Then some of the share the road sign studies that we saw, it were, they were in places where there was four-foot shoulders that people were able to ride in. So it really isn't addressing the whole question of bicyclists riding using the full lane, which is legal in North Carolina. And in, in our rural roads... We don't have shoulders for the most part. So this question about where should cyclists be and how do people behave on the road. Do you want to add anything to that? That's a good assessment of how we got there. That's sort of how we got there. So the question to us then became, it's like, okay, so what can we do to really try and answer the question of whether people understood three traffic control devices differently? Um, one is the share the road sign, the other is the bicycle may use full lane sign, and the third are the shared lane markings or sharrows. 
what do those things actually mean to people? And we sort of wanted to do it in a way where we weren't telling people that we're studying signs, because the minute you say we're studying signs, then they really start to pay attention to the sign and think deeply about that. So we put together a survey where we told people that we were studying motorist-cyclist interactions. So what we decided to do is, is that we would create an online survey with images that people could look at and then ask them questions about how the people in the images should behave and what they thought about what was going on in the images. So the way we did this was that when someone signed on to take the survey, which we recruited people through Twitter and Nils did a little bit of recruiting through Facebook, when the person clicked to take the survey, they would get only one of them. So they would get to the image of, say, the two-lane road with the bicycle may use full lane sign. And then we had a set of four questions. And they were essentially, do you agree or disagree that the bicyclist should move over and get out of the way? Do you agree or disagree that the car should wait until it's safe to move into the adjacent lane to pass the bicyclists? Do you agree or disagree that the bicyclist is allowed to be where he or she is? And do you agree or disagree that the bicyclist is safe where he or she is? Then they said next, and they went to another page that showed a similar situation with a four-lane road. Another person would get on and take the survey, and they might get the control where there's no signs. Another person would get on, and they would get the share out. We wound up with 2,000-ish responses, more or less evenly spread among the four sides. The nice thing about this is that everybody is seeing the same thing, the same exact situation. This is one of the problems that you get with on-road tests is that so many things change. You know, one, for one person, there's no traffic. For another person, there's a bright red car. For another person, there's a black car. You know, for another person, there's somebody opening their door when it's happening. A lot of things can sort of get in the way of the question of how are people understanding these different signs. But the bottom lines were basically that when we compared the people that saw the share the road sign to the people who saw no signage at all, there was no difference in how they responded to the questions. None whatsoever, okay. um, in a statistical sense. When people saw the bicycle may use full lane sign, and we compare that to the people who saw no sign, for seven out of the eight questions, the responses changed significantly and in the right direction. The one exception was one of the questions on the four-lane road about getting out of the way, and there was no statistical difference there. But basically, when they saw that bicycle may use full-lane sign, the responses were much more favorable in terms of how we would like people to behave on the road with us as bicyclists. The shared lane marking was sort of in the middle, kind of half the questions there was a 
difference in the correct direction, and in the other half of the um, questions, there was no difference at all. So essentially our conclusion from that is that if you want to let people know that bicycles are allowed to use a full lane, you shouldn't try to be clever about it and say something like share the road. You should say straight out, bicycles may use full lane. The other thing that we found was that the effect of that sign was the strongest for people who rode less than 10 miles a week and for people who typically commute by motor vehicle. So it seems to us like the bicycle may use full lane sign does, number one, a, a good job of educating people about car bike interactions and what bicyclists are and are not al allowed to do on the road. And it also does a better job of explaining what people are supposed to do and, and changing, possibly changing their behavior. So, so not only did the bicyclists may use full lane sign kind of work better across the board, but it worked better, especially for novice cyclists and motorists, which if you want cycling to be safer, you need motorists to not run over cyclists, so they need to know what's going on. And you need more cyclists, right? One of the biggest factors other studies have found in terms of cycling safety is that once you reach a critical threshold of bicycles on the road, people actually see them as things that should be there and look for them, so it becomes much safer. In a lot of places, when cycling has hit those thresholds, even though the absolute number of cyclists is double or triple what it was before, the number of accidents is lower because people that are driving just start looking for bicycles. So, so this type of thing where, where you're, you're hitting those two groups is one of the best things you can do to not only just promote cycling but make it safer for everybody on the road. If you look at the reasons why people avoid cycling, it's because they're afraid it's dangerous. And if that kind of signage can help people feel like they belong and, and it's safer, then you're potentially going to have more cyclists. That there's sort of George and I talked about, there's a little bit of sort of a... Uh, ethical bind there in the sense that the sign doesn't literally make it safer in and of itself being there, but it certainly makes people feel that, that it is. Yeah, that's why we've been careful about talking about perception of safety rather than actual safety, um, because we didn't measure actual safety, right? Just, do you think you're safe? And we all know that's not the same thing as necessarily actually being safe. Um, so we, we've been thinking about you know, what, what we might do next. And, and a couple of things that we've been thinking about are doing some sort of simulation activities, kind of the same thing, but actual video simulations where, you know, people are put in, in some kind of a 3D goggle world where they're riding a bike or driving a car. And then we, again, are in a, in a place where we can recreate the same exact situation every time and see how different people behave if there's different signage showing up. And one of the things that that can do is if we create an interesting enough simulation is now the signs are in all that visual clutter and noise that people typically see when they're out on the road. Because remember, what you're seeing what we showed these folks. It's very clean. There's the road and there is the sign. That is not the same thing as what you experience when you are actually out on a road with all the stuff going on around you. So 
adding that level of complexity might be an interesting next step for us to take. It would also be interesting to do actual on-road tests. But then we get into all that confounding world that got us to do it this way in the first place. <clears throat> and then you start to have to, excuse me, ask permission of DOT or whoever actually owns the road, and it gets really complicated from a liability perspective. At this point, George and Nils took questions from the audience. This work was published in an online peer-reviewed journal. Later, it was picked up and summarized by Scientific American, North Carolina Public Radio, and the Raleigh News Observer. That's it for today's podcast. This is George Mapp for the Carolina Tar Wheels.